on a Zoom with me is an incredible human being, um, very reassuring human being who I've fallen in love with in the last five minutes, but we'll get into that, is Robert DeSantos. He is an international award-winning film and television director based in Cape Town, Joburg, South Africa, but also making waves in um, the, the, the place we all dreamed of being when we were in art school, America. Hello, Robert. Welcome to my show. Thank you for taking the time. Hi there. Thank you so very much for having me. Okay, so you had a previous life before you were an award-winning film director and uh, um and commercial director. Yeah. You were a lawyer. Yeah. How does one go from being a lawyer? Like that is so much school, dude. You studied your life away and then you gave it up and became a director. Yeah, it's 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 a massive change. I can't explain. You go from wearing suits all day, um, wearing robes when you're in court and uh, being tethered to a desk yeah. to suddenly being set free and running around in the world. Why? How? What happened? So it's uh, I just uh, one day it's one of those cliche things. One day I looked around and said, "No, this this is not uh, this is not good enough. This is not for me. I'm not going to." be this person i'm gonna i'm gonna be the person i want to be and the person that i'm meant to be and, and this isn't it for me and i just decided and then changed the course very very dramatically okay but like obviously this was something that you were thinking about uh while you were lawyering right and while you were studying you like no one just jumps into directing i mean you were obviously doing this side hustle sidelines for yourself for the family so I, I, I'd, I'd say yes and no. So I've always been doing this. I've always been writing. I, I wanted to be a writer. Um, actually, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a philosopher. I thought you could hang around um, and eat grapes um, oh. like the Greek, Greeks do and just, just philosophize. But then uh, I learned there's no philosophy factories out there that you can work in. So it's not a great profession to have. So um, I continued with my writing and uh, I've got this inner burning to change the world. And I thought law would be the way to do it. Mm. Um, and then I tried law and I, and I enjoyed it. I loved it. And I really, really took to it and I really wanted to be an advocate. But I realized that that's not, it's not for me. You, you, it's, it's such a contentious world. You fight all day. Every, everybody you turn to, you fight. You fight with uh, the opposition. You fight with your clients because you, you're billing them too much and they don't want to be there. They'd rather be on holiday than spending money on you. Uh, you fight with your colleagues. It's just nonstop um, tension. And uh, I'm not built for that. And, and I think the impact you do make on the world is, is there's, this can be huge uh, impact, but also at the same time, um, it, it can be a bit frustrating. No, for sure. Um, it's so weird that you say that. When whenever I find myself reaching for something, I always like go back to the philosophers. And there's a school, like the the school of philosophy. And I've always like imagined my life as a dark academic, living that lifestyle and just like being a philosopher and just eating, like you said, the grapes, living in the fucking mansion and doing all of the things. Um, but that's not real life. So no, real, real life is a little bit more dramatic than that. Um, if that's even possible, but you gave this 
ago when you were 30. And this is something that I really want to talk about because we place all of these things, um, all of these milestones, all of these yardsticks, right, on ourselves from when we were really, really little. By this age, I want to be this. By this age, I need to have this together. By this age, I should know this. And at 36 years old, I, I, I've been definitely sitting here thinking about all of the things that I thought that I would be by now. Um, you know, I didn't think that I would be alone, um, childless, you know, like still figuring it out, still have no idea what the what I actually yeah. want to be, you know. And this for me is super important. You changed your career at 30. And I want I want to talk to you about this because I feel like we need to remove this idea that everything is going to be good by the time you hit 30 and you're going to know what you want to do and you're going to have your things. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think there's something beautiful, but at the same time, something a bit destructive is there's this kind of Instagram culture and this, this, this life that exists where it's everything's going to be perfect and you're going to have it all figured out and everything's going to look great. And that's unfortunately not life is, is you're not going to have everything fall into place and things aren't going to be perfect and you're not going to figure it out. And then there's, I suppose, another part in it is that there's so much expectation from our parents and society to do X, Y, Z. And for me, especially my parents really wanted me to be a lawyer and they were so happy with me being a lawyer and, uh, making that jump and making that change was was really difficult the the funny thing is i actually remember sitting in a car and actually having a cry to myself it's a bit funny but i i i made the change and i'd and i'd become i'd left law and i wasn't a director yet you don't just walk into directing i i was going to do something else and i'd actually lied to some people around me and told them that i was i was going back to work to be a lawyer i was just like guys are going to run and i lied about that because the, I didn't want them to know that I was no longer a lawyer and now I was going to go video some stupid thing that in their minds was stupid. So yeah. the, the, the peer pressure to be this guy in a suit was immense. And uh, the, the first year, year and a half was really, really difficult. And um, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't easy. But now looking back, I mean, I would, I'm so happy. I'm so glad I did that. No, obviously. But how did you deal? Like, I know that if, if I had followed the path my parents really wanted me to take into medicine, that had I then gone back to the drama path, the guilt that I would have felt for letting them down would have been immense. How did you, did you have that? And how did you overcome that? Yeah, I think um, I carried guilt with me forever. And, and there's, there's kind of um, this, uh, I can't remember the word, but there's 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 a this feeling that you get where uh, imposter syndrome, where you kind of yes. get this imposter syndrome, and I had that for a very very long time, where I was like, I, I don't, I shouldn't be doing this. I studied law, I, I know how to get someone off a off a case, but I don't, I don't know where to put a camera, and um, that persisted up until maybe even uh, even in earlier this year, I still had it. I've, I've overcome that because uh, things are doing well and, and people are recognizing my work. Um, but we, we get put into those boxes and 
it's it's you just have to break out if if i was still doing law now i think i would i think i would i'd be depressed and i'd be unhappy and that's and there's there's a little saying that that's uh, always runs around where they say is we keep doing things to make other people happy but not ourselves mm-hmm. and it was exactly that it was making everybody else happy but they honestly couldn't care yep. um and I found out those same group of friends that I that I lied to, and I said no, I'm not doing uh, that. I'm that I'm still going to law, and and wasn't able to be honest with. I found that as soon as I was honest, and I showed everyone how passionate I was, the support I got was tremendous. People gravitate to people who are authentic and real and are themselves. And I still have people coming up to me and saying, how do you do it? What do you do? And it's literally, you just have to be you and just do what makes you happy. And like people see that and no one can be upset with that. People can only just gravitate towards that and, and love it. You know, I think the, the one thing that lockdown has, has taught me, especially uh, not taught, reminded, is that we're all very much interconnected and no one thinks about you the way that you think about you and that we're all inherently human and flawed and we're all going through something. And I think we need to start loving ourselves a little bit louder before we we try and love everyone else, which is, I think we forgot that before lockdown. Um, yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. It's it's weird. There's a thing. It's about being selfish, and people take being selfish as a bad thing, and selfish has a as a negative connotation to it. But personally, I love being selfish. I think selfish is one of the most beautiful things in the world, and I think if we were all more selfish, uh, the world would be a better place. And what I mean by that, it's quite a controversial statement, but what I mean by that is is if you can just protect who you are and you can be exactly who you are and create those boundaries and say, well, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to be this. You suddenly have a lot more of yourself to give because now you're being yourself and you can just throw everything into it. And I've found that by becoming selfish, I've become more giving. Mm. Um, And it's weird, but I think that's, that's something that's interesting. I think you are a bit of a philosopher though. Like definitely for sure. (laughs) Um, Okay. So you start this journey kind of green, right? For someone listening who wants to do something similar and give it up at 30 and go and live the dream. Where do they start? Where did you start? Like, how do you know what camera you need? How do you know who you need to speak to? Um, Do you need representation? Like, where do you go? So the easy answer is start at the beginning. And I don't mean, okay, I'm 30, now let me start at the beginning. Is, uh, like you said, is this wasn't something that just popped up. I didn't just one day say, hey, let me, let me just be a director. Is there was a seed that was planted in me when I was young. And I went back to that. And I think every single human has that, but they shut it out at some point of their lives because of practicality yeah. or fear. And if you can just go back to that original seed and follow everything that went through. So you can look at it in one way. You can say, okay, cool. Um, very late in your 20s, you decided you're going to be, you're going to change course and you're going to give up the court rope. Or you can look at it as a different way and say, well, you started writing at a very, very young age and you went into law and during law, you learned exactly how to write, how to be precise, how to use meter pacing um, and intellect in order to get a point across. And that 
refining of the skill of um, discussion and and um, and uh, writing um, allowed you to hone a skill that you wouldn't have learned if you were at, say, one of the film schools, yeah. to such a degree that when you do write and when you do make art, um, you can do it with force and effect. Yeah. And people would say, okay, well, you never studied it. But I, I think that's incorrect. I absolutely did. I'd been refining the skills that are used to make films my entire life. And when I say go back to the beginning is what have you been doing? What are you naturally inclined to do? And how can you make that your passion? Um, and once you figure that out, it's, it's so simple. And you realize that you do these things naturally all day, every day. And if you can just adapt that into your life, like you're, you're already halfway there. Dude, I feel like we're getting a lo- lots of life lessons from this. I am so glad we're doing this. We all need to hear these things, Robert DeSantos. Thank you. Okay. Now, the reason that we are here is because you are a director and um, you have a bomb short film called A Moment. Thank you. Uh, Tell me about this. So, A Moment is exactly that. It's a moment. It's a short little slice out of a story that exists somewhere in the universe. (laughs) And we jump into it in a moment of crisis. And I wanted to make something short, exciting, and interesting. And um, I wanted to take a new look at a Mexican standoff. Mexican standoffs are super exciting, but they've deep been done a million times. Mm-hmm. Tarantino's got his style. Um, even Nolan has his style of how to show a Mexican standoff. And I thought, well, how can I make a Mexican standoff something different? And I think that was kind of my approach to this. And that's why we used a very specialized piece of equipment, which allowed us to film it in one take, um, which is quite amazing. So it's a 90-second Mexican standoff with more to it. It's not just as simple as that. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's, the, that's the gist of it. How does that work, though? Because there's obviously no margin for error, if you are filming it entirely for 90 seconds, no edit, no cuts, no nothing. No, no, there's, there's, there's zero margin for error. So, so what it took was um, a lot of preparation. Um, we spent days figuring it out, uh, days working it out. I had to spend many days storyboarding and knowing exactly what it was I want. And then it took a fantastic team. Um, a lot of times directors get all the credit, but um, in fact took a, a nice, strong team of incredibly talented people who are far more talented than I am in their respective fields. And it was a pooling of um, resources. Um, and together we we came together and made this thing. Where to from here though? Because I mean, this, this has obviously been, been nominated for some awards. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens now? So I've been doing, I started out in music videos. That's how I kind of got my chops. I learned my skills. Um, I graduated to TV commercials. So I've been doing some TV commercials. I'm doing a, a lovely one set on the moon at the end of the month. Um, and now I'm turning my eyes towards films. I'd love to do films. Yeah. I've written an amazing short film about uh, a murder trial of the first android to kill a human. Yeah, I'm here for this. I'm uh, drawing from my legal knowledge. And then obviously um, I like high concept things. I like things that change the world and that are exciting. And the concept of um, 
androids uh, and the philosophical and potentially legal ramifications of a android killing a human that's that's something that's interesting that's that sparks my mind and that gets me a bit excited Dude, I am here for this. I'm going to need your expertise because I really, really feel like Siri one day is <laughs> not going to wake up from the way that I speak to him. Um, and I, I, will, I will definitely need you to remember this conversation and come and help my mother, please. Because no. she's not going to know. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So, okay. Going obviously from commercial, that's more storyboarding, um, into film, film. The, the process is very different. But the writing especially is a lot. How do you deal with looking at a blank piece of paper and making it into something that you want to give to the world? What is that process for you? So I think it all starts with um, an idea. I think uh, taking it back to simplicity, like I said earlier, with, with just going to the beginning. And if you've got something strong, a strong kernel, uh, things can grow out of that. So the idea of a robot who kills a human and is then arrested and the world trying to figure out, okay, um, is this murder? Can a robot actually commit murder? Is it the company's fault? Is it the robot's fault? In fact, did the robot even kill it? Was it, was it a mistake? Um, that, for example, that was a kernel of an idea and it's just uh, a start. And as long as you can protect that and hang on to that idea, you can start to build around it. And that's the most important thing is you have a very strong idea. From there, it's uh, films. What's nice about films is that there's rules to films. They've got to be a certain length. Uh, they need to have characters. They need to move from scene to scene. Um, so knowing those rules and knowing them really, really well is there's a three-act structure. Um, certain things happen at certain times in the film. So once you know that, you know, okay, well, I need a beginning, I need a middle, and I need an end. Um, and once you know all those things, you can start breaking them, moving them around. So I think I obviously take a bit of a lawyer approach to it as I look at it quite methodically. Mm. Um, and then the creative juices just start flowing and you, you just throw everything against the wall until it sticks and until um, you're happy. Okay, so even even after all of that, all of that like thinking and all of that methodology, we're still just throwing it against the wall and hoping it sticks. I love that. That's, that's, I suppose that's creativity at the end of the day. And and I and I battled with that. Is for me going through law, I was like everything has to be on time. Yeah. And I've had to come to realize that just being an artist, it's it happens when it happens or it, it doesn't. Yep. I have enjoyed every minute of this but i do need to ask you one more thing for mm -hmm. someone who wants to be anything and they are considering a massive life change a little bit of advice for that person not necessarily from law to directing maybe from something to nursing or teaching or whatever it is do you have advice can i swear of course you can okay um then it's simple uh, fuck everybody else do what makes you happy it's it's that's the rules for life i mean if you live like that you're winning i think that's the lesson that is definitely a lesson that we all need to learn robert thank you so much for your time this has been great um where do we get in touch with you where do we follow you where do we find you where do we follow the journey um, so if you just type Robert Dos Santos into the Google machine, um, I'm the first thing that pops up very fortunately. Um, and you can find me on all the things on the Google machine. 
bum. Thank you so much. And and do go and follow him because you never know when your Google machine might, you know, snap back a little at you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Robert, thank you. This was great. Thank you so much, Danny. That was really, really fun and really, really awesome. I'm so chuffed.